Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. If you ride by our main campus downtown, you will see a banner that says, from isolation to joy, all are welcome. Our greeter ministry has just undergone extensive training, and the word on the street is that it was above and beyond all expectations. One person said they went in it, went into it skeptical, primarily wondering why they needed a two-hour session to tell them how to say hello, but came out saying it was worth every minute of the training. Now, although I didn't attend this particular training, I would be willing to bet that part of the training did not include be sure to tell everyone who visits if they want to be a disciple at St. James, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. If you're willing to do that, then by all means, you're welcome back next Sunday. Am I right? That was not part of the training? I didn't think so. Today we come to the turning point in our narrative of the gospel. Jesus has taught, he's healed, he's fed the thousands. He's offended plenty as in both the Gentile and the Jewish territory. And now he's asking, what's the word on the street about him? Who do folks say that I am? And you heard the responses, John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the other prophets. Luke adds that people, somebody that's come back from the dead. Now, interestingly, none of the responses said, you were the great physician, a wonderful provider, the greatest teacher of all times. When it asked what people were saying about Jesus, their responses included prophets who were confrontational. And by the way, they were all dead, many killed. Although, as we heard, Sissy Reed, our passage from Isaiah, being, called, uh, being a prophet can be good. They sustain the weary with a word, and they call the community to stand together. All good. But prophets were primarily, they did not win any popularity contest because they were constantly speaking out against injustice and falsehood. And this is what people thought of Jesus. As the story continues, Jesus' next question asks Peter who he thinks Jesus is. And here we get that beautiful confession, you are Messiah. Matthew adds, son of the living God. But evidently, Peter's definition of Messiah and Jesus' definition of Messiah weren't exactly the same that day. When Peter hears Jesus describe the Son of Man as being rejected and killed, forgetting he had said he was going to rise again, Peter has other ideas, and thus he's trying to impose his idea of Messiah onto Jesus. No, Lord, this cannot be. You've got it all wrong. Messiah, the anointed one, the one we've been waiting for for so long, 
It's, it's here to save the day, not suffer and die. Jesus turns. He accuses Peter of what? Get behind me, Satan. You got it all wrong. Perhaps this should be our first clue that claiming Jesus as Messiah doesn't mean we necessarily know exactly what we're saying. So if you're not sure what you're reciting in the creeds, it's okay. Like Peter, we get there eventually, hopefully, but we don't have to stress if we don't fully understand everything we say and everything we're here in our baptism. This is something that happens over time as we stay in the church, as we come week after week, as we train these little ones that are being baptized today up in the faith. Then it sinks into our hearts, and we don't have to be adults later still questioning. But it's okay. It, but it, and it takes intention to raise a child up in the faith. Where the danger comes in, and to borrow a statement from Leanne Van Dyke, we all have our favorite Jesus. And if we're not careful, such favorites can become idolatrous, and as we heard, even demonic, with being called Satan. John Calvin called the human heart a factory of idols. So we can even make an idol of our preferred Messiah. Jesus called Peter's preferred Messiah, as you heard, Satan. Can't get much more dangerous than that. So perhaps when we say denying ourselves, we're saying denying our own preconceived notions and denying our false Messiahs and learning intentionally what Jesus had in mind so we can be better followers, and that's a good thing for all. But I'm still not suggesting that our greeter team should lead with this. Unfortunately, over the centuries, Christian communities have presented false messiahs, and they've abused this message. We can always point to Nazi Germany, Nazi Germany for examples of the church at its worst or to the church in apartheid South Africa where racial segregation and oppression were endorsed. But closer to home, enslaved Africans were taught false messiahs even in the catechisms. They were to deny themselves and endure their lot in life because God had commanded it. This is not Jesus' idea of Messiah, but examples of people constructing Jesus in their own image. Thankfully, and I'm very proud to be an Episcopalian because the church has confessed wrongdoing in this area in millennia past and not so past, and at least has made attempts to make amends. Sadly, we can all be guilty, even if it's not on such a grand scale. We generally don't deny our own ideas or our own selves until we have exhausted all other resources. I still find it amusing when I've tried the hardest to do things my way. Jesus lets me throw my fit, 
lets me know how much, when it tells, lets me tell him how much things he should do or what I will or won't do or what he should do with all the other people that don't think the same way I do. He even occasionally lets me hit bottom if that's what it takes for me to finally put down my big old heavy cross I'm carrying and carry my own. Will Wellamon says, there's a cross that fits your back just fine. If you want to be my disciple, Jesus, you had to pick up your cross and follow. I'm still processing that comment. Saying what we believe rolls off our tongue so easily, and I think it's good that we recite these creeds and hear our baptismal covenant, and we confess Jesus over and over. Because truly, before we can take that next step in faith, it's important to settle that following Jesus is the way even if we don't have everything down pat. This is what happens to Peter. He confesses Jesus as Messiah, and then later is transformed into that great leader of the church. But it took time. Mary Carr, a Flannery O'Connor type writer, wrote about her own conversion. She said, after years of being a Christian, I discovered I only wanted to kill some of the people on the subway rather than all of them. Willimon notes that taking up your cross is not to be confused with a bad bag or a difficult to get along with mother-in-law. The cross is what we get to walk with Jesus. It, it's how we know we're walking with Jesus. Sometimes we think that following Jesus means making just a few little minor adjustments in our lives. But what Jesus is calling us to is radical transformation. We've been hearing all summer the story of Mark about the cross, and it's taken us, it's all he's talked about in the gospel thus far, and it's where it's going to take us as we continue our journey to the cross into the real cross, into Jerusalem. Spoiler alert. Jesus did not false advertise. All are welcome. But we may save some time and heartache if we learn Jesus' way first rather than insisting on our own. Amen. Amen.